District of Conservation is sponsored by CFACT. To learn more about the organization, visit www.cfact.org. We are joined by Congresswoman Lisa McLean of Michigan on the podcast today. She's going to talk about a bill she has making rounds in Congress and perhaps some other topics. So Congresswoman, thank you so much. It is nice to know the face beyond what Nancy Pelosi calls that woman. I know you are more than just that woman. You are a congresswoman from Michigan and something to be very proud of. So thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate being here. Talk about your district. I know you are a newly elected representative. You helped flip the seat and I suspect your district is very outdoorsy. So talk about what led you to run for office, the issues you focus on. Well, first and foremost, I've never been in politics before. I've spent the past 30 plus years really raising my family and married, have four children um, and have built a business from the ground up. So I've been political in nature, but I've never been involved. And gosh, I guess it's about two years ago now. Um, I'm Italian. So Sunday dinner is critical for me. I want all my kids to come home and my mom comes, my mother-in-law, um, family dinner is important. And it was one family dinner in particular, and I was crabbing about something that was on TV. And my youngest daughter, Ryan, looked across the table at me and said, Mom, if you don't like it, why don't you run for Congress? And I was taken back a little bit, but it really got my wheels spinning and my mind turning. And I went to bed last night and I said uh, that, that night, and I said to my husband, Mike, what do you think about it? Like, why, why not me? And it just really snowballed from there. You know, I talked to my family. I talked to my um, some business leaders in the community. And why not me? Why couldn't I do this job? So I threw my hat in the ring. And now here I am. Represent um, arguably one of, one of the best districts, I think, in not only Michigan, but in the state. You know, I, I represent the thumb of Michigan, which Michigan has a lot of natural beauty. We have a lot of coastline. Um, it's just it's a nice, warm, welcoming place to be. And I'm proud to, I'm proud to serve the, the people of the 10th District. Could you share which natural beauty is there of, for those unfamiliar with the district? Are you guys home to any national parks, anything in particular? So we have a, we have a lot of parks. Um, we have, um, I tell everyone, I got to figure out how to do it on the, on, the, on the screen, but I represent the thumb of Michigan, which is really the peninsula. So it's surrounded by a lot of lakes, um, a lot of parks, a lot of outdoor recreation recreation. And we're really blessed to have that much um, natural beauty and that much opportunity to really be outdoors, whether it be skiing in the winter, snowmobiling, or in, you know, in the fall with the trees and, and whatnot. And of course, in the summer with, with the lakes, I, I don't think you can find a more beautiful place than, than the thumb of Michigan. Do you have any particular outdoor activities that you like to partake in? <laughs> Well, I say I'm a runner, but I'm really not a runner. I just like to run because it gives you the opportunity, at least for me, to really decompress. I don't take a phone. I don't take, you know, I, I don't take a watch. I just go out and I run and and it really clears your mind. So that's what I enjoy. And of course, in the summer, um, we spend a lot of time on the lake and outdoors. It just, I don't know, it just puts you in a better mood. 
spending time outdoors certainly does. And what, what prompted you out of curiosity to take an interest in the national park issue uh, with respect to closures and closures under the guise of COVID restrictions? Where did that come about from? What, what triggered you to do it? And what was the impetus behind it? Well, it really started with the, that is a tremendous overreach. So let's talk about it from a policy perspective to begin with, is I don't believe it's the government's job to tell us what we can and can't do. I believe in our individual freedoms. I believe we as individuals and we as the people can figure out and are smart enough to figure out how to keep ourselves and our families safe without the overreach of the government. And look at how far we've come in over a year since this pandemic. Is the parks, at the end of the day, belong to the people, right? Now let's switch a little bit to the personal end. Is if you take a look at the lockdowns over the past over the past year plus, it's not just the, the the COVID pandemic that we're that we needed to deal with. What these lockdowns call uh, caused were a lot of unintended consequences in terms of mental health and mental well being. Um, I believe getting outdoors, getting some fresh air, helps with that mental well being. Um, also, let's take a look at the science. The science says it's okay to be outside. Um, I believe a lot of our national parks are hundreds and thousands of acres. Um, I actually believe people can figure out how to socially distance in a hundred or a couple thousand acres. I think that would be a perfect place to go if you wanted to social distance. So talk about a complete overreach of government's um, policies. I mean, where is this going to end? It's just silly. It's absolutely silly. It's ridiculous. Were you largely driven to craft this bill because you saw the news of the closures of Yosemite, Glacier National Park, and I believe it was a third one. I can't remember off the top of my head, but is that largely what inspired you to to craft the bill and have other co-sponsors? Really, the impetus was, um, was D.C., and, and DC closing um, the basin so we couldn't go and see the cherry blossoms. I've right, never yes. had the ability to see the cherry blossoms in DC. And I thought it would be a good opportunity to bring my family. And, you know, there's not much open. Um, and I thought that, wow, this is going to be a really great opportunity. And then the government comes in and says, no, you, you can't go. You can't go and see the cherry blossoms. I'm like, are you kidding me? So that was really the impetus of it is I'm so, and I'm, I'm really passionate about it. I'm so tired of us using COVID as an excuse to restrict our freedoms. I mean, our national parks and the national beauty in which we have is sprawling, right? We're not in a confined, closed area. Why are they restricting this? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't, especially with the CDC guidelines, for sure. And now you see a lot of mainstream outlets actually saying, was there really any merit or is there still a need to wear masks outdoors or did we really need to wear it in the first place? So the science is changing, the evidence is pouring out and, and it's 
quite mixed right now. And it's pointing to the fact that you may not need masks outdoors. So it makes no sense, I agree, to restrict access. And especially under the public lands ethos we have in this country, especially with the national parks, I've written about this recently, where it's for the benefit and enjoyment of all Americans. And like you said, you can enjoy time in the outdoors. You can find enough space. You can take a, a hiking path that no one is traversing. You can find a space in, in the thousands upon thousands of public square acres you find in national parks and, and you can avoid crowded places. I think we're smart enough and <laughs> autonomous enough to be able to do that as individuals. I actually, believe in, I actually believe in people. I believe people will figure out how to be safe and be productive. And by productive, I mean, I can, I, I'm smart enough to figure out how to take my family to see the cherry blossoms in Washington, DC, without putting my family or anyone else at risk. Um, I don't think I need the government to tell me I can't go outside. I mean, cause at the end, where's this gonna end? Who knows, especially with the fact that transmission outdoors is very, very low as the science is starting to indicate it's mostly indoors. So keeping us indoors makes no sense. And could you talk about the progress of the bill, where it currently stands, uh, who some of the co-sponsors are? I think I last saw that there wasn't a number attached to it. And is there a companion Senate bill, too? There's not a companion Senate bill as it pertains, but there I am getting a lot of positive press and positive attention from my colleagues, um, at least on the Republican side, which is which is really good to see. Um, where I think the bill will go, I wish I had a I wish I had a better answer, but I think it's important for me to be truthful. It's not going to go anywhere. We're dealing with an administration um, that talks about being the party of unity, but their actions don't match their words. This is the most partisan thing. Uh, th this is the most partisan hundred days that I think I've ever seen. So unfortunately, I don't think the bill's going to go anywhere, but I appreciate people like yourself and other media outlets giving me the opportunity to talk about this because I think our voices need to be heard. And we keep talking about follow the science, follow the science. I believe that at times the only science we follow is the political science, and that is extremely shameful and disheartening. Do you have any comment on we're recording today on Earth Day and there's a climate summit taking place? Some interesting people testifying before Congress today about issues, Greta Thunberg and some others. And we've, we've seen certain administration officials talk about if you decarbonize and fully transition away from oil and gas by this arbitrary deadline, you still will not be able to meet the threshold that they want. Can you speak to what your response is to the Biden administration's climate agenda? I think you may have seen, I believe it was your former governor, who's now energy secretary. She's compromised in a respect because one of the companies they're showcasing under the infrastructure bill, I believe she has some personal investment with. So talk about what your feelings are on the Biden administration's environmental agenda. Here's, here's what I would say, slow down. And what I mean by that is, listen, I think all of us want to preserve our land and the earth. Um, I, I really believe that. But when you make sweeping change, that comes with unintended consequences. And we never, I, I use this analogy since we're talking about the outdoors, let's talk about rock climbing. 
right? We're going to ski, we're going to rock climb. Before you let go of this rock to grab the next rock to pull you up higher, you don't completely let go. You still hang on to this rock until you get a firm grip on the next rock. That's what I'm proposing we do. There is a balance. I see it when it swings past. So let's begin a, Let's begin to work on progress instead of perfection. We'll, we'll go a lot further, a lot faster if we work on progress. And we've got to get rid of these extremes because when you have extremes, you, you get a lot of unintended consequences that you haven't had the opportunity to plan for. And how have your constituents responded to some of these policy proposals? I bet they've something to say about it too. Well, everybody has an opinion and that's the beauty of living in America. Um, I think what's disheartening to me is the soundbite piece, is the, the words piece. So if I put a bill together that talks about um, clean energy, I think both sides want clean energy. But I think when you look at the bill, what's in the bill doesn't really equate to clean energy. And I, and I, and I use that as an example is we have this halo or horn effect, right? So coal and natural resources are horrible. Oh my God, they're terrible. They're, they're evil. Let's slow down just a little bit. Can we do better? Can we make progress? Yes. But we don't need to go and eliminate everything tomorrow afternoon. That's not healthy. That's not productive. And long-term, that's just not sustainable. Yeah, it seems like there is a very big push to go in a certain direction without weighing the unintended consequences. Also with people getting displaced too. I think what we saw previously, which a lot of people applauded, even if they don't want to publicly admit it, we saw kind of a balance where you could preserve the environment or conserve the environment, I should say, and also be able to juggle business or free enterprise. Now I feel like we're moving into this direction where it's preservationist, where business does not matter people's livelihoods don't matter. It's the environment or all, but it's not really for the benefit of the environment or people. It seems like a lose-lose situation for the environment and people. When people are going to be displaced and out of work, people are not going to care about their surroundings when they have to worry about combating depression, maybe being displaced from the workforce and the mental toll that that will have on them. And that's a horrible thing to do to, to make people very dispirited and then also to have them not care about their surroundings. So do you worry that's kind of a direction policy-wise we're going to be heading into and in that you don't have to sacrifice one for the other? You're spot on. And I am very worried about that. See, I believe in the American people and I believe that there's a powerful three-letter letter word. It's called and. And it's very applicable. I think that the American people with their mind and their innovations and the ability to co collaborate can figure out how to be productive and care about the environment. I believe that the American people, for example, can figure out how to stay safe and be productive. It's not an or. And just because I believe in business and I believe in productivity doesn't mean I'm anti the environment. 
We have to stop labeling this. But unfortunately, that's what sells. And if I can personalize something, then that means we don't need to deal with the issues and we don't need to deal with the facts. So my suggestion is let's get the personalizations out of it and let's just deal with the issues. Do you have any final thoughts you want to add? Um, talk about any other bills maybe related to these subjects that you want to touch upon or, or insert into the discussion? Well, one, one of the bills that I, uh, that I think um, kind of mirrors this is the Biden administration right now is talk, talking about putting big tax on business, all right? Um, they're talking about reducing um, the, the estate tax um, uh, or, or how, how do I want to say this better? They're, they're talking about eliminating the cost basis and, and reverting back to the very beginning on the cost basis of the, the estate tax, as well as, well as lowering the, the, the threshold to expand more people to have to pay the estate tax, or I call it the death tax. One of the people that, one of the industries that will get affected by this, if this passes, is the family farm. And gravely, they will get, they will lose the family farm. It will be the end of family farming. And we talk about farmers, um, less than 2% of the population actually farms anymore. Act, less than 2%, think about that for a minute. And if this proposal passes, it will eliminate the family farm. But in my in my district, with the bulk of my uh, over fifty percent of the different district being agricultural, the one most important asset that they have is the land, is the resources. I believe that those farmers will take care of those resources, and I believe a lot of times the policies that we put in place are detrimental, and we just don't think through the policies. So that's another thing that um, I think we should talk about. But in order to talk about, we have to come together and we have to have everyone have a seat at the table when we talk about things. And a lot of times the number one person that doesn't have a seat at the table is actually the the, the producer, which is the business owner. So we have everybody at the table, except for the one person, the, the one industry that we can't do without, and that's the business owner. So I think at some point in time, we need to stop bashing these people and actually give them a seat at the table. There is a value to stakeholder relations, and I think farmers and ranchers do not get a fair shake. I think they're often pigeonholed as aggressors of the environment. So you make a very good point about that, about their needed, their neededness in, or their necessity, excuse me, in the conversation. Uh, Congresswoman McLean, where could people connect with you, follow your musings, follow your work in Congress? Um, you can follow me on Facebook, Twitter. Um, there's all the social medias out, media out there. Um, and I am call my office. I'm in the district a lot. I'm happy to um, talk to you, happy to come and visit you. Or if we ever open up in DC, happy to have you come visit me as well. That would be great. I'm just across the river. So not too far from you. Thank you. Congresswoman. Thank you, Congresswoman. This is really fun and enlightening. And I appreciate you taking time to speak with me. Have a great day.